From the fourth chapter of Romans, starting at the first verse, we hear Paul say this. What then are we to say was gained by Abraham, our ancestor, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, wages are not reckoned as a gift, but as something due. But to the one who without works trusts him who justified the ungodly, such faith is reckoned as as righteousness. For the promise that he would inherit the world did not come to Abraham or to his descendants through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. If it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, neither is there violation. For this reason, it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his descendants, not only to the adherents of the law, but also to those who share the faith of Abraham, for he is the father of all of us. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of God in whom he believed who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. And the third chapter of John, Nicodemus comes to Jesus in the night. And they have a conversation where Nicodemus is questioning Jesus. Not to criticize, but to learn. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. And Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after growing old? Can one enter a second time into a mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and of spirit. What is born of flesh is flesh. What is born of spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? And Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? 
Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descends from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. For God so loved the world that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. You've heard that before. You see it on signs behind goalposts at football games. You know. Go team. Hi mom. John 3.16. It's called the gospel in a nutshell. We all know that text. And yet some would argue, and I am one of them, that that's really not the most important thing that is said here. In fact, one of the best verses of all of this, the lectionary cuts off. Because one cannot talk about John 3.16 without talking about John 3.17 and 3.18. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world. But in order that the world might be saved through him. And 18. Those who believe in him are not condemned. But those who believe are condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. We, as mainline Protestants in America, live in a legacy of a famous sermon by Jonathan Edwards called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Woe is us. Great founder of Presbyterianism, John Calvin, said, Human beings are just food for worms. We hear people say things like, and write books titled, They Love Jesus But Hate the Church. And why? 
Do they, they hate the church? Because we have filled it with condemnation. Because people think that all they will hear in the church is that they are bad, no good, dirty, rotten scoundrels. Woeful sinners repent. I never think I've put those words in together in a sentence till now. I sat in a group in a conference with my favorite worship professor leading, and it took a turn when it came to the question and answer period because all these wonderful ministers kept saying, why do we even need a time of confession and pardon in our worship? And their argument really simply came down to something as simple as, we shouldn't do that because it makes people feel bad. We've come to a point in our church where we can't talk about sin anymore because somehow people think that that means that we're judging you. Really? Paul is very clear. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned. Not just you, or you, or you. You who have a bad sin, and you who think you don't have a bad sin. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You've heard me talk about the confession, the new confession that the church has. It was written in the 1980s when the two denominations, the Southern Presbyterian Church and the Northern Presbyterian Church, came together. They wrote a confession to say, this is who we are to the world. And there is a sentence in there that says, we deserve condemnation. It was the most controversial statement in that whole thing. They got letters after letters after letters after letters. My friend Nancy, who you've met, who was here for my installation, was on that national committee. And she talked about how people said, we don't want to hear that we deserve condemnation. And once again, I ask you, If you are not sinful, what do you need Jesus for? If you are sinful, you deserve condemnation. What you don't deserve is judgment from people in the church. And we need to find a way, as public theologians, to be able to say that to people. See, Jesus, it says, Jesus 
came into the world not to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. We deserve condemnation, but we don't receive it because of God's grace. How amazing grace is. Now, of all the beings in all the universe that deserve, that have the right to condemn. Jesus is the one. Jesus is the judge. Jesus is the one who could say, oh, you woeful sinner, you deserve condemnation. But Jesus came into the world not to condemn it, but to save it. There is a lesson in that for us. Stop worrying about your friend who cheats on his taxes. Your neighbor whose fence is three inches over into your yard. Your best friend's spouse who might or might not be cheating on him. Your nephew who is gay or your niece who's a gossip. It's not for you to judge. It's for us to receive God's grace and to share that grace with those around us. Jesus did not come into the world to condemn us, but to save us. Oh, and by the way, for some of you, You might need to let yourselves off the hook. In my work at the Y, I worked with a young woman whose sister had trouble with the courts. And the sister knew that she was going to have trouble with the courts, and she went to court, and the, and the judge put her in jail for a while, and she ended up then with the sister that I worked with having her young children, four young children, on top of the three young children that this young woman already had responsibility for. And she was sitting in my group shaking her head saying, I can't do it. I can't take care of seven children on my own. It's too much. And I said to her, who are you mad at? And she said, my sister. I said, is that all? She said, no, I'm mad at myself because I don't want these kids to go to foster care. And I don't want them to end up in the system. But I just can't do it. And she left me no choice but to turn them in. I said, well, if she left you no choice, then you don't have a choice. 
And she argued with me about, yes, but I should. I should want to take care of these children. I should do everything I can to take care of these children. I should, I should, I should, I should, I should. And I said, but you don't have a choice. Maybe you should just let yourself off the hook and stop condemning yourself. Jesus came into the world not to condemn it, not to condemn us, not to condemn, not so that we can condemn others, and not so we can condemn ourselves. But Jesus came into the world to save us. Jesus extends grace and grace alone. We are forgiven and freed in the love and grace of Jesus. Let yourself off the hook. Let your neighbors off the hook. Receive the grace of God and live in God's love. Thanks be to God. Amen.